Welcome to the Public Sector Marketing Show, a podcast for government and public sector marketing professionals who want to level up their digital marketing and social media knowledge, skills, and strategic thinking. And now, welcome your host, Joanne Sweeney. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Public Sector Marketing Show. In this episode, we're going to discuss the fact that social media is mainstream communications. I believe it's no longer the poor relation of radio, TV, newspapers, or indeed online media. In 2021, your question shouldn't be, is this the year that we fully embrace social media? I believe that you should be asking yourself and asking off your team, how do we level up this year with confidence and improve our competencies online? I will give you the trends, the tactics, and the team structure that you need to implement over the next two months. We also hear from two public sector professionals who are using social media to great effect. They also share why they're using it and also the importance of scaling it right across their organization. So if you're going all in on social media in 2021, stay tuned. In today's column, I'm discussing why social media is mainstream communications. And probably a great place to start is the 2020 Digital News Report compiled by Oxford University and Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism. This study reveals new insights about digital news consumption based on a YouGov survey of over 80,000 online news consumers in 40 countries. Let me take Ireland as an example and to illustrate why social media is mainstream media. So in Ireland, where I'm based, 80% of respondents said that they get their news from an online source. Is that you? Ask yourself and five people that you know where and how they get their news. 39% of those 80% said that they get their news on Facebook followed by YouTube at 22%. So these are statistics that we can't argue with. If you disagree with me, then present your evidence. It's really important that we look at the data and we look at the evolution of citizen behavior when it comes to news consumption. In Ireland, we are eager consumers of news. We're a very informed audience. The media is also very strong in Ireland and often, it could be argued, can control the narrative. For decades, government and public sector have had their stories told by the media and by other stakeholders. Reaching the public was dependent on reaching the media and also trying to get your press release included in those publications. The world has now changed. Social media gives you a single line to the public. I'm not for one minute saying or even suggesting that a strong independent media is not needed in the digital age. Hey, I used to be a journalist. I respect my journalistic colleagues and I respect the discipline of journalism. However, what I'm saying is that we need to look at the behavior of the citizen. Another study by the European Institute about three years ago stated that news is not a commodity now owned by media organizations. Let's think about content. 
content is owned by those who are willing to create it. And we know that influencers and other content creators are building up online tribes and they are almost being the voice of the subject that they are experts in. Social media use in Ireland sits at 98%, with citizens spending an hour and 50 minutes each day using social networks and social messaging sites. Meanwhile, 38% of the population are using social media for work. Again, ask yourself that question, is that you? This data and the data for your country can be found at datareportal.com. Email as a source of news is also growing in popularity. This is a quote from the Digital News Report 2020. It says, email can help build habit and loyalty, which is particularly important for new business models, such as subscription and membership. So we're also seeing the business model of online news platforms and indeed traditional platforms change as they realize that they have to keep up with the curve of digital transformation. I've got some figures here about global news consumption when it comes to email. 28% are using email each week to access news in Belgium. 24% in South Africa, where bandwidth is expensive and text-based emails can also be efficient. 21% in the United States, 10% in Sweden and 9% in South Korea and the UK. These figures are only going to grow. And remember, this study is from 2020 and we're still waiting for the study from 2021. So again, you've got to ask yourself as a government and a public sector agency, think about how citizens are consuming news. Do you have a daily or a weekly newsletter that is going out to your database? When I have this conversation with my clients and students, often their response is a concern over GDPR and data protection legislation. It's absolutely fair and good practice to build up an email subscriber list. People are opting in. Once you get their express permission and you are complying with GDPR, you need to think about it as a communication strategy that you implement within your organization. Some of the reasons for the differences in email use across the countries that I mentioned are not really clear, but one point that the report does make is that it may be related to the extent to which popular publishers have introduced email. So let's pose the question. Think about your country, think about mainstream publishers, traditional media, and ask yourself, if they all introduced email as a source of news, would their subscriber base grow? I predict that it would. So let's not argue with the data. Let's embrace social and digital communications to transform your relationship with the public. Remember, you've got that direct line to any citizen cohort that you want by leveraging social media. But there's also an expectation from the public that you're on social media. If you didn't know it, I compiled a report in November 2020 called The State of Social Media in the Public Sector, an Ireland study looking at 520 government and public sector agencies and their use of social media.
it's fair to say that they're not adequately broadcasting their social networks on their websites. And so it can be very difficult to find you on Facebook, on Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, TikTok, or Instagram. Don't make it difficult for the public to hear from you. Because when that happens, that creates a vacuum. And when we have vacuums, we have bad actors who step into the breach. And of course, they will take advantage of the public and also sharing misinformation for their own benefit. Let's think about the social networks and news in particular. Twitter should be your digital PR newsroom. It's where government, politicians, policymakers, journalists, media outlets, interest groups, lobby groups, and the informed public hang out. Facebook, meanwhile, is the public-facing social network. If you're not leveraging Facebook to have citizen conversations, then you really are behind. Facebook, while an open platform and while it can be scary for government and public sector agencies to fully engage because of the, the vastness of the platform and because of the, the millions of users in each country, capacity can be an issue. Press releases are for journalists, they're not for citizens. So how might you transform that content on Facebook? What about a monthly Q&A with the head of service, the CEO or the director of a department? What about your subject matter experts? Filter down the feedback that you're getting on social and begin to understand what information that people are looking for. You are now becoming the journalist and the media outlet for your own content. Instagram is a place where you can build up the culture, the personality, and the behind the scenes activity of your organization. I spoke with a government advocacy representative from Facebook and Instagram about 18 months ago. And Jenny shared with me that Instagram is popular among public figures. And why? Simply because it's a friendly place to hang out in the main, but also it gives you an opportunity to show the person behind the politician, the person behind the policymaker, the person behind the public servant. In a world that used to be controlled by church, state and big business, that was a place where the citizen didn't have a voice. The pendulum of power has now swung into the hands of the people and the citizens now demand that you have a direct conversation with them. So what are your thoughts? Do you agree? Is social media mainstream communications? Perhaps you don't agree with me and that's absolutely fine, but I'd love to hear your feedback. Let's start a conversation. Send me a tweet on Twitter. You'll find me at JS Tweets Digital. Level up your social media skills by taking our diploma in social media, plus gain an industry qualification. Use the code SOCIALMEDIA20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. Now it's time for the consulting section of the show. In this episode, I'm going to talk about trends, tactics, and team structure for social media in 2021. I want to start with trends. 
Talkwalker and HubSpot compiled a report, and I was one of the contributors to that report. And they set out the top 10 social media trends of 2021. I'm not going to go through all of them. You'll get access to the report and the blog post associated with this show. The first trend that I want to touch on is the rise of digital disinformation. And this, in fact, was the prediction that I made as part of the report. Propaganda and fake news, you could argue, has been around forever. However, it's come into sharp focus with social media. So I subscribe to the school of thought that when there are gaps and vacuums on the internet, that's the opportunity that is presented to bad actors. In my view, if government and public sector are not fully active online, if they don't understand the concepts of search engine optimization, keyword research, backlinks, on-page SEO, then really you're going to get caught with fake news and disinformation. The other thing that I would say is that the public are now very, very informed and they are going to look for the information. So if you aren't presenting it, they are going to go to another source. What HubSpot and Talkwalker spoke about when it came to the rise of digital disinformation is that as more people join the internet, as more people use social media, there's going to be social media and content overwhelm. So individuals are going to choose their sources, they're going to choose their subject matter experts, and they're also going to choose their platforms. So as a government or a public sector agency, you need to be out in front and you need the citizens that care about the topics that you're dealing with to choose you. So how do you do it? Well, this is where we get into tactics. There are social media tactics that you can deploy on any of the social networks. Let's face it, every social network is absolutely free. What differentiates the social networks are the features and the functionality that they have, what I call tactics. So for example, some of the tactics that are gonna help you get an algorithmic boost is live streaming, more video, and engaging with stories. All of these have video at the center. So going live gives the public a sense of urgency, a sense of immediacy. And we saw that right throughout COVID-19, that when your government, your prime minister, your president, your Taoiseach stepped on to the steps of government buildings, they had something important to say, and that was live stream. Similarly, within your agency, you can use live streaming to great effect. The real value in a live stream isn't always in the real-time broadcast, but in fact, it's the immediate 24 hours after that live stream ends. So you have to think about the overall value that live streaming is going to provide for you. We also now don't need to hire studios or have film crews to go live. A smartphone, an internet connection, and also Perhaps a lapel mic or a tripod might help you with that. But we really, really have a great opportunity now with the social networks to have a one-to-one -one and a one-to-many conversation with the public at large out there. Most of the social networks offer live streaming right now. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn. 
they all offer that as a way to have a direct conversation with the public. Let's then go to native video. Native video refers to when you upload video directly to an individual social network. People retain information better with a video. In fact, it can be as high as 80% more. You are also competing with traditional media, with retail brands, with sports brands, with celebrities and with other influencers. So you really have to turn your content into highly engaging content and video will help you. There are numerous types of videos that you can deploy. You can do interview, you can do an explainer, you can do a how-to. So don't let video scare you. You have to go front of screen. I always ask my clients this question. If your national broadcaster was to show up and offer you a two-minute slot on a main evening news bulletin, would you take it? By and large, they say yes. But now you can be the creator and the journalist for your own organization. The third aspect to videos that I want to touch on then are stories. Stories or ephemeral content or self-deleting content was born on Snapchat, very quickly emulated and copied by Instagram. And then they were introduced to Facebook, to Twitter as fleets, and also to LinkedIn, to YouTube, and even to Spotify. Stories are about personalization. You cannot fully embrace stories on any of those social networks unless and until you have a social reporter. What's a social reporter, I hear you ask? A social reporter is the person that's going to go front of screen on stories on that smartphone and tell you what's happening, bring you on a journey, walk and talk, show you what's happening, bring you inside the corridors of power, into those boardrooms, into those sessions in Parliament. We cannot now singularly rely on mainstream media to tell the story to the public. We have to realise that the public expect those stories to be shared with them directly from you. And I promise you, stories will give you greater reach, greater engagement. As an example, did you know that people spend 60% more time on stories on Instagram than they do on newsfeed? I also have to touch on the, the TikTok style videos. Obviously, TikTok was the number one downloaded app in 2020 in many countries across the world, growing in prominence. Yes, the biggest audience is 16 to 24, but like any social network as it evolves, the age profile also gets older. Make 2021 the year that you master TikTok style video that have been introduced into Instagram as reels because these type of videos are hugely engaging. I'm not saying that you need to be on TikTok this year, but you need to master the features of TikTok to create those styles of video. Instagram gave its app a whole overhaul in terms of the interface and put reels at the center of the app. TikTok videos are getting engagement between 10% and 30% on average on active accounts. Imagine that level of engagement for you. On Facebook, you're probably struggling at sitting at about 0.3%, on Twitter, 0.2%, on Instagram, 0.6%. 
What if you could get engagement of 10%? Learning how to create TikTok style videos that you introduce into Instagram and then you can share across other platforms will serve you well in 2021. Audio is also another type of content format that is growing in popularity. What I love about audio, besides the fact that I used to be a, a radio journalist, is its authenticity. Audio is very authentic. Have you heard about Clubhouse? Clubhouse is a new social network. Currently, it's invite only. They're at almost 2 million users and it's audio only. No video, no text. If you try to record conversations in rooms, you could be in breach of the terms of service. Think about podcasting. Think about audio tweets. Also, think about how you can add audio to your YouTube channel. Podcasting is very accessible, it's authentic, and it's low cost. Then I want to talk about repurposing your content. I have a method, the content repurposing method, and how that plays out is that I always start creating content with long form content. So it's long form video, long form audio, or long form text. This gives you the ability to repurpose singular conversations right across the social web. It also means that you're not losing or diluting the key message that you want to share. Social listening is also a very important tactic that you need to introduce in 2021 if you haven't already. I've heard some media commentators call it big brother and maybe not something that government and public sector should be doing in the course of their social media strategy. I tend to disagree. If you're not actively engaged and listening to what the public are saying about topics that impact them, then for me, it begs the question, do you actually care? Another consideration for 2021 is the senior leadership voice. Are your senior leaders, your directors, your subject matter experts, your CEO, director of service, are they on social media? Are they leveraging their personal Twitter and LinkedIn accounts to advocate for their own role, but also the team of staff within the organization? LinkedIn have found that when staff advocate for their own organization, the brand appeal increases in excess of 600%. If you want staff to advocate for you in social media, leaders, need to step up online and lead from the front. Finally, in this column, I want to touch on team structure. I've seen social media being layered upon roles within government and public sector agencies. It's called role creep. And you cannot let that happen for the long term. If you allow role creep to be the mainstream in terms of work practices, then you're going to be underperforming when it comes to social media. You need to have a clear line of responsibility for social. So who writes the strategy? Who looks at the data? Who does the reporting? Who creates the content? Who's doing community management on social media? These are all very important tasks. One person can complete them if they are highly skilled, but not if you're layering social media on top of other tasks. That won't work. 
The other question that I want to ask you in this final segment is, whose job is social media? The answer isn't the comms team or the social media team. The correct answer, in my view, is social media is everyone's responsibility. Those that hold information, that have access to the answers, who have access to the content that the public want, need and deserve to have access to, they too are responsible for social media. So if you want to master social media in 2021, get your house in order, think about trends, tactics and team structure. There are two public sector organisations that I want to profile who demonstrate their commitment to social media expansion. The first one is Angarda Síochána, the Irish Police Force. Its Director of Communications, Andrew McAlinden, explains how they leverage social media for greater public engagement. Social media is valuable for Angarda Síochána because it allows us to communicate public service messages, particularly in crisis situations or emergency situations, to a mass audience. And it also then allows us then to engage with that audience directly and inform them of what we are doing in relation to protecting them and supporting them, particularly at a community level. Uh, the big takeaway from my perspective was the need to have a social media strategy. If you have a social media strategy, it means you have guidance and direction. It'll help you build a community. It'll help you engage people properly. If you don't have a social media strategy, it means you have no direction. It means you're creating an organisational risk and risks for your employees as well in relation to working in social media. I think the critical thing is to see the value of social media. It is an incredibly valuable communications tool for the public service to promote what we are doing in terms of protecting and supporting um, the public. But also they need to be aware of the risks that that social media brings. And again, to go back to my point about having a social media strategy, a social media strategy will reduce those risks and make sure that you're communicating correctly and engaging with your audience. The next case study is from Donegal Education and Training Board and their communications officer, Dr. Sandra Buchanan. Sandra explains why scaling social media across the organisation became a priority. Well, the title was Integrating Social Media Across Our Organisation, um, but I was given background on where we were because we were previously one of 16, 33, sorry, vocational education and training uh, committees, VECs, until we became one of 16 ETBs in July 2013. Uh, and then there were complications in terms of communication brought on by the creation of a new further education training authority, uh, a new language that came with that. So communicating the, the the, the difficulties that we had uh, and where we were, we decided we needed to start using more social media and using our web more to, because it was the media we could control uh, to get our message out and start to explain to people who we are and what we do.
Well, it's what I call a media we can control, our website and our social uh, media platforms, versus the media that we can't control, the traditional print media. We use that, we, we, we haven't thrown that away, but it can be difficult sometimes to get even a press release printed, even when we think we have a, a big important event going on. The press release and the photos mightn't go into the papers afterwards, but we can get that up on our website as a news story, and then we can share that out across our social media platforms, um, because we're on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, just joined Instagram, um, and tagging people in, and tagging in the people that we want to read our stories, so whether that's our funders, or whether that's people, say, because of ESF funding in the European Commission, or we want to tag in our schools, because we cover a huge county, we have uh, an awful lot of schools and centres, um, so we're almost guaranteed then, because they get a notification, they've seen our story, which we're not guaranteed that with the traditional print. of tips uh, for sure they need to get their senior management on board um, our senior management have come on board uh, they're leading our chief executives leading out on some of this with us um, they recognize the value even if they don't fully understand they recognize it's a space that we need to be in and that's been um, absolutely brilliant in supporting the work that I'm doing on a day-to-day -day basis um, and then I think the number two one for public sector I think is be social do what it says in the tin. Uh, I think particularly for government agencies, government departments in particular, there's that one-way communication the whole time, pumping out tweets or posts on Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever it happens to be. But when people try to engage, there's no engagement back. Uh, people think we'll get bored, we'll turn off, they'll go elsewhere. We try to engage as, as much as we can. Uh, we don't have a team of people behind us, but even making comments, you know, we're proud of our students, we're proud of our staff, well done, congratulations. Um, and then people are messaging us more and more on Facebook too, to, just to find out about, because that's how people communicate now. They're on their mobiles, they want to know quite quickly, so it's be social. We have a huge job of work ahead of us, we always have, we will have for quite a number of years, so the next 12 months is really to continue to get the message out about who we are and what we do. We're complex organisations, we have two or three different um, sections that we deal with schools, we have further education and training, we have a corp more corporate side. Um, people don't fully understand the various uh, facets of our organisation and what we do, so we have to continue uh, to use social media to help us get that message out over the next 12 months. social and be consistent with being social. A one-stop shop digital marketing and social media resource. Join our membership academy for 12 months. Access a library of how-to videos, template strategies and organisational policies. Monthly live coaching. Attend webinars with subject matter experts. Meet and network with public sector pros from across the world. Use the code MEMBERSHIP20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com The resources mentioned in this show can be found at our website publicsectormarketingpros.com forward slash podcast. You will get access to my free webinar 2021 Social Media Sorted. I will also link the digital news report of 2020 by Oxford University and Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism. And finally, I'll also link the data reportal social media stats for your country. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Public Sector Marketing Show. 
I hope you enjoyed it and I'll talk to you on the next one. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Public Sector Marketing Show. This episode has ended, but your digital journey can continue. Head over to publicsectormarketingpros.com to access resources and links mentioned in today's show and to connect with Joanne and her team. Until the next time, be sure to subscribe, rate and review on your favorite podcast platform. 